Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. WA Real brings you real and authentic stories from fascinating people here in Western Australia. Stories to inspire and guide you to take action to be all you can be. Today, my guest is Carly Payne. Born and bred in WA, Carly has enjoyed over 20 years working in marketing, communication and PR for media companies, including Network 10, 7 and News Corp, as well as radio. Then following an enforced career break, it dawned on Carly that she had a greater passion, that of a celebrant. Carly took action and has recently presided over her 50th wedding as a marriage celebrant. Carly, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So one of the questions I always ask my guests at the start, because it is called WA Real. Absolutely. um, You're born and bred in WA. I am. Um, Just tell me about what was it like growing up here in WA for you? Oh, look, I had a charmed childhood. Um, I grew up on Grand Promenade in Dianella. My dad, a builder, built built the house. Uh, I moved in when I was six months old. Um, there was kangaroos, bushland nearby, kangaroos hopping down the street. Um, charmed childhood. Um, yeah, my mum, dad, myself, <clears throat> two older brothers. Yeah, went to the local primary school, went to Maribooka High School. Mm. Um, <clears throat> wonderful, wonderful charm life. I love WA. I love Perth. Were you out and about a lot out in the, um, you know, out in the bush or playing? Oh, oh playing, yeah, lots of friends. I mean, my school friends um, are still my best friends today. Um, absolutely loved school was a bit naughty. I talked too much, all of that. Um, yeah, I still keep in touch with them. In, in fact, my closest friends are still are still those I went to school with. Superb. Did you ever get the urge to leave WA and go away and then come back? Um, look, I love traveling and I did spend, um, I spent, you know, a, a little while in London in, in my 20s. Um, but look, I love it here. I'm very close to my family, yeah. um, particularly now, my elderly mum. You know, I, I don't want to leave and, you know, leave her. Uh, as long as I can escape every now and again. Yes. Um, I love living in Perth. Super. Yeah, no, there's um, – often you find – often find people – um, love growing up here, but then they, they feel like they have to go away to come back and realise the gold that's here. Yeah, no, no, I, I love love living no, here. I mean, what's away. what's not to love as I look out the window yeah. now? It's just brilliant sunshine in the, in winter. So, as I said, as long as I can escape Fantastic. and get my kind of, you know, travelling um, traveling fix sorted, yeah. I love living here. Super. So um, we'll dive into the celebrants here in a bit, but obviously – there's a big part there around um, you know, celebrating and marking great occasions and, uh-huh. and what have you. Where does that come from in your story? Oh, well, look, I love a good story. I particularly love a good love story. Um, look, life is worth celebrating and, um, you know, gosh, birthdays, all the all marriages, all the different, um, you know, segments of life through our journey of life that we celebrate. Oh, why not? Even funerals. I mean, they're a celebration of, of life. So, yep. I mean, gosh, pretty much a perfect job celebrating. Indeed. But where, where does that sort of, where does that come from in your story in terms of why, why that resonates with you? Oh, I, I, I just think because, I mean, li- life is short. We're only on the planet for a short time. So let's celebrate all, all the mi- milestones and mark the occasion. And, and um, it's always a good excuse for a party when there's you know, something to celebrate. <laughs> Superb. So as I said in the intro, you, um, you've had quite the career in 
marketing and, and comms and PR. How are you drawn to that? Ah, uh, well, look, as a, pardon me, as a, as a kid, all I wanted to do was work in TV and radio. Um, whilst my other friends at school were, were following more traditional career paths, all I wanted to do was, was, uh, particularly work in, in radio. I love music. Um, I had a, a sort of a, a time in my life where we had a, a family tragedy. I lost a brother to cancer when I was a teenager and there was so much sadness in mm. my home at that time. It just made me sort of dive into the whole world of music. I was a child of the, the countdown era. So Sunday nights um, on the ABC, that was what I lived for. Uh, so music, music, music was all I wanted to do. So Did that um, bring happiness into absolutely, that, that absolutely. You know, you know, when when was you know Sherbet coming next to town or you know having a squabble with a Bay City Rollers fan at Mirabooka High School, um, that was that was all I, you know, really focused on. So it was natural for me to want to pursue a career in particularly radio and media overall. And it was, it was tough. I had to write a lot of letters and um, beg and plead. And, and um, yeah, I finally got my chance in a kind of weird way. <laughs> Tell me about that. How did that happen? Well, um, Oh, where do I start? I um I was lucky to secure a gig at 96FM, the original 96FM, and um I got that job because I was actually a winner of a major competition. I used okay. to, you know, um, enter competitions and I won, and people listening may remember this, the 96 albums of my choice, not CDs, albums, so right. going back away. And... Um, I was one of a number of winners. Um, the radio announcer, his, uh, his name was, uh, Bob Stewart. He's still on the air somewhere in Australia, I think. He called me, told me I'd won and I just screamed and <laughs> screamed and screamed. <laughs> so I won the 96 albums of my choice and there were some hot albums in there, you know, Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles and all that. My have choice. You still got them? I haven't. I think I got rid of them <laughs> in a garage sale. I should never have done that, but. It was awesome prize. I collected the prize. I met the boss of 96FM at that time and we just got on really, really well. And yeah. I said, God, I'd love to work here. I'd give anything to work here. And then two years down the track, uh, I was, what, 24 years of age, I think, um, I get this random phone call. I was working in a job that I really didn't like and I got a random phone call from um, a wonderful um, radio legend called Gary Roberts um, and uh, he called me and I thought, you know, what are you calling me about? And he said, look, I remember you from a couple of years ago. You're our biggest ever screamer on air. <laughs> um, I'm looking for a new PA. I can't find anyone that I'm happy with. Would you be interested? And I always remember I put my pen down and I said, I'll come and see you now. And I left the <laughs> workplace I was at. I was wearing this awful. You didn't, you didn't squeal down. No. Oh, well, I had to be quiet. I was in the, was in the office, but I put my pen down. I had this revolting yellow uniform on. I went straight to the station and he offered me the job and I never went back. I didn't even collect the pay that I was owed from the previous right. company. And um, I've never told Gary this. We're quite good friends. and uh, But I've never told him this, that uh, I would have paid him to have worked at 96FM. <laughs> yeah. So I was at 96FM for, um, yeah, seven wonderful years. 
mm. one of the best times of my career. So um, I imagine over the years it's been quite quite a colourful time. Colourful, yes. Um, what are some of your fondest memories? Oh, look, with, without a doubt, uh, without a doubt, um, the Bob Geldof eras. Um, Bob Geldof uh, visited 96FM for mm. three on three occasions, um, two when I was at 96FM and then one when I was um, working at 92.9. And um, my program director at the time, Des Shaw, now based in London, uh, still in working in partnership with Bob, um, he arranged for Bob Geldof to come and do an on-air stint at 96FM. Yeah. Uh, Bob... Um, Agreed. He was fascinated with um, Australia, fascinated with Perth, wanted some sunshine. Uh, Bob and his uh, uh, wife Paula, their three young girls, their nanny, came out to Perth, 96FM, put them up at uh, Observation City, up in the right. penthouse yep. suite. And my job at uh, 96 at that time for the week they were here uh, was to basically just keep Paula and the girls happy while Bob, you know, did his thing uh, in the station and uh, did a fabulous um, a drive shift on 96 for a week. So I just get about Perth with Paula. And, oh, I nice? oh, loved her. Loved that woman. Amazing. Really smart. Really funny. Razor sharp wit. Mm. Um, oh, we'd, we'd have a great time. I just had the black Tarago put the kids in the car, the nanny, Paula, where do you want to go today? Uh, oh, let's go, let's go to, you know, Kahuna Wildlife Park. We want to see koalas or, mm. um, or Adventure World. Let's go to Adventure World. Or um, sometimes she'd say, Kylie, let's just, let's just keep, leave the kids with yeah. uh, the, the nanny. And I want to go shopping. I need to go shopping. Fine. What do you want to buy? She loved vintage clothes. Yes. There was uh, a fabulous uh, store in the city in Bon Marche Arcade um, called Memory Lane. Mm. Amazing clothes. It's not that long ago closed down. It relocated uh, to Highgate. And we'd go in there and um, I remember once actually she just was in the, in the store and she was just pulling things off hangers. I'll take all of that. Didn't look at prices. And yeah. I said to her, gosh, it must be wonderful to be able to go into a shop and not look at prices. Yeah. And um, she looked at me and she sort of had this look on her face and I think she realised that, you know, probably maybe was a little bit, um, yeah, a little little bit um, hard for me, I suppose, to yeah, see yeah. just – and then she didn't do that again. Yeah. Um, she was a beautiful woman. I was so, so sad when she passed away, so sad, mm. yeah. She actually – she talked to me about coming to work uh, with her, for her, even kind of like a, well, helping with the children, but also as a kind of personal assistant. And we had the conversation and, look, I wish that I'd really progressed that because yeah. uh, it's a regret. I wish I'd done that. Mm. Did you get to meet many other people? Uh, yeah, actually one of them, Bob Geldof related, another experience was um, I think the third time Bob and Paula came to Perth, I wasn't working at 96 at that time, yeah. but 
Paula called me, please, please, can you get some time off? Let's go and play. So play we did. Mm. And uh, we went to, I went with the Geldof family to the 1993 uh, Paul McCartney and Wings concert at Subi yeah. Oval. So uh, we were uh, Paul and Linda's guests. Uh, we went to Subi. We were invited into the, the trailer on the Oval. Paul wow. greeted it greeted us at the door and uh, uh, he remembered me from, he met me at the, um, uh, earlier in the day and he said, Kylie, can I squeeze you a fresh orange juice? And I really thought I was going to absolutely faint at that yeah, point. That's yeah, that's heavy stuff. Yeah, I, no I noticed a cookbook on the table. Um, it was Linda's uh, vegetarian cookbook on the uh, side table and I picked it up and I was flicking through it and Linda said to me, oh, Kylie, are you a vegetarian? And I'm not, but no. I kind of lied. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going that way. And she said, well, it, it will help you uh, go the veggio way. I want you to have the book. She signed it for me, and it's one of my most treasured wow. possessions. Yeah. Wow, that must be Hedio stuff. Yeah. It's just I met so many wonderful people. Um, gosh, you know, we, we did um, – I, I instigated um, free concerts in the city. Um, Daryl Braithwaite, who I'm a bit of a fan of, and I know Daryl. I still keep in touch today. Daryl mm. Braithwaite was one of the first. We did a great one with Hot House Flowers, amazing Irish band. I still kind of follow what the band members are, are up to. Met some amazing people. Sting. Some people are just special. You can't yeah. explain it. There's a there's an aura about them. Sir Bob is definitely one. Yeah. I think Sting's another. He'll go down as one that I person that I met in my work and gosh, he was really special. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it's interesting, you know, we we see these revered figures, but to actually get to meet them and interact with them, find out that they are regular people. Yes, yeah. they may have an aura, but yes, they are regular yeah, people. Yeah, reg regular people. Yeah. The few that weren't maybe not quite so um quite yeah. so special, but on the whole. Yeah. Mostly all special, but yeah, ninety six FM, a fabulous time in my career, absolutely. So, so this is quite a, a lengthy career that you've worked in. This, how mm. how did you survive in that? Because I can imagine, you know, it, it's quite full on. You could yeah. burn out. It could be quite fickled. Yeah, look, survival is <clears throat> is a key word. I actually don't know. I survived thirty years in media. Most. Most people don't. Um, gosh, I don't know. I loved what I did. I, I hope I was good at, at what I did. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very, very different now, the media industry. Um, um, well, I think, look, media as, as, as it was, the, you know, commercial media, um, it's very, very different now, very fragmented. It's evolved so much. Um, I, was uh, 10 years as marketing and publicity manager at Channel 10 Perth. We were in a sprawling building out on you know, a hill in Dianella, as all of the TV stations were, 7, 9 and 10. And, um, you know, they're not there any longer. Everything's downsized. Yeah. Um, yeah, everything's so, so, so different. And, you know, online has, has disrupted um, so many industries, media uh, certainly being, I think, one of the main ones. But yeah. it's evolution. It's time, it's progression, it's just mm. what happens. I'm lucky that I, I survived and loved 30 years in the media industry. Mm. What what were some of the things, uh, and we'll come to the celebrants in a minute, mm. but what are some of the things over that time that probably, or skills or whatever it might be, that um, you may have inadvertently 
refined and developed that help you now in what you do? Yeah, I think, um, look, I, I hope I've always been a very grounded person. I, I think I still am now. Um, I I don't think I, I have a big head or, a, a, you know, price on myself. I don't have an ego. Things are what they are. I'm absolutely fine with someone else being the star. Mm. My job in media was always to make others the mm. star, others look good, others um, be perceived as amazing. Yes. So that actually that skill which I've fine-tuned over many years and I've, you know, I've worked with some of Australia's biggest stars yes. um, in TV and radio and, uh, yeah, my job is to make them them look great. Mm. Um, so moving on to my celebrancy work, it's actually quite a natural yes. progression because it's like not that. about me. I'm, I don't want to be the star of the, of the day. It's about the couple. They are the stars of the day. And mm. I think that skill, working with talent in adverted commas, that working with talent skill has really kind of set me up for a quite natural um, mm. progression into becoming a, a marriage celebrant. That's nice. I like that. So um, tell me about the enforced career break and, and how. Okay, yes. Look, um, so many people in so many industries have been through this. Um, it's never easy. It's particularly not easy when, you know, you're not um, in your 20s anymore, a bit older. I was at um, Channel 10 for 10 years and, um, you know, got the got the call, come in to the office the next morning, 8.30, when you always know a job isn't going to end well, you go into an early meeting, there's the general manager, HR person from head office, and a box of tissues on the table. You sure. never, yeah, you, you, you know it's not going to end sinking well. Feeling You're sinking <laughs> feeling, yeah. So, look, um, there had been rumblings of this. Um, um, always remember it was on the day that um, that News of the World story broke in London, the, the newspaper, the hacking um, oh, the story. Yeah, it was on yeah. that day. It was on that day. Um, but there was oh, 200 plus of us at Channel 10 um, around the network that lost their jobs that day. Mm. Um, depending on the, I suppose, the position you held, some um, redundancies were more brutal and more um, swift than others. Yeah. Uh, mine was very good. Um, I had a wonderful relationship with my local and national team. So I at least actually got to go to Sydney and, uh, and um, you know, see my team and have a farewell. And, and um, so, I still, still so it keep. wasn't a, you're going home now. No, but that, that, did happen that that did happen as it does happen in business yeah. depending on i suppose the sensitivities of the work you mm. were doing um they were great days at channel 10 i i still keep in touch with um people locally and um nationally mm. uh, they're good friends but how does it feel at that point it feels crap yes. <laughs> it feels absolutely crap and um especially when it's been your whole world and yeah. life you know, listening to you talk about it just minutes before. Yeah, it's absolutely crap um, because I remember I, I went home and I thought, oh, gosh, I mean, I've always been, I was Kylie Payne from 96 FM for seven years and, you know, Kylie Payne from 92.9 for, I don't know, about five and then Kylie Payne from Channel 10 and then I was Kylie Payne from nowhere. And it's like, oh, gosh, what's this all about? So it's, re it's really, re when you 
Describe it like that. It's a real sense of your identity. Oh, totally, totally. And um, I, I have a real empathy with people that go through this and feel like this because um, it's not easy. And particularly as, you know, as social media has, you know, evolved and, you know, now it's just, you know, the, the thing, um, you know, it's, it's hard because you're out there pretending everything's okay, but then inside it may not be okay. Mm. But on the positive side, was it what a career break does do? It absolutely grounds you even further and you've got a clean slate. Okay, let's look at this. I may have lost the career that I always had in the sector I loved since I was a kid, Mm -hmm. but what's next? This isn't the end of my professional life. Mm. It's kind of a beginning. So let's have a look. I'm going to regroup. So I actually went- How quickly did you get from, oh, God, shit, this is the end of it, to that constructive- Uh, Well, I suppose in a way I'm still going through it. I, no, I sort of thought, okay, I did have a little bit of a panic. I thought, oh, my God, I've always worked. I've never never not worked. Um, I need to do something. And that in, in and of itself is, I find, fascinating as well. Yeah. Because um, I had a, had, a, had a guest a couple of weeks ago who mm. talked about um, work and busyness being an addiction in, yes. of itself. Yes. Yeah. No, it, it is. Yeah, my first impression, I mean, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Um, and I sort of just walked around the house like a zombie for for a week. Um, then I thought, no, I, I've got to do something. And I thought, okay, what can I do? I thought, okay, biggest gig in town at that time um, was Chogham, Commonwealth Government Heads of State. Meeting was being held in Perth. Yeah. And I thought, well, I've, I've shown around, you know, I've, I've looked after Bob Geldof, Paul McCartney, you know, George Negus, Sandra Sully, Matt Preston. Um, I can look after the Queen. I'm going to make a phone call. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. So two weeks later, I started um, at uh, at the Department of Culture and the Arts in, in, uh, in the government here, and uh, I was a uh, marketing and publicity manager for a Chogham event. It was a fabulous uh, Indigenous um, artwork right. uh, display that was uh, coming to the PCEC. So it was only 11 weeks, yeah. but it kept me busy and it was just something totally different. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But that whole identity thing is is hard, you mm. know, And um, but it has given me, given me the um, – the um the time to really look at my life, my career, and what else I can do. I still love media, but the practicality of it is that you know that there may not be the job for me anymore, and that's totally fine. I've had a great run, yeah. and one of the things I've loved about my work has always been to mentor and encourage young people and people that have worked for me. Right. Now they've got the great some great jobs and I'm absolutely thrilled with that. Superb. So how do you go from uh, turning it around and having this reflective state to having the dawning, the realisation that celebrancy? Well, that, that was, that was um, a bit of a penny, a penny dropping moment. Um, When I lost my job at channel 10, a few months later, I lost my dad. Wow. My job, my dad, I loved 
Yes. You know, endlessly. Um, so it was a tough time. At my dad's mm. funeral, and it was a rocking funeral, if, even though I say so myself because <laughs> I helped create it. <laughs> my dad, um, back in the late 50s, he was a Swan Districts um, football player. Yeah. Um, pretty big name back in the day. Um, and so my dad loved football. Um, the last grand final um, he saw was uh, Swan Districts playing Claremont. Claremont won by a point. Um, a few weeks later, he was diagnosed with mesothelioma, wow. a, a testament to him being a carpenter, having worked with uh, asbestos. So at his funeral, uh, d- during Dad's illness, and he passed away um, very only a few months later after the grand final, um, we used the analogy of that winning by a point at the last grand final he saw, yeah. an analogy for his illness, like, Dad, you can beat this, you can beat this. Yeah. All you got to do is beat it by a point. And yeah. we'd, we'd talk about the grand final. So at the funeral, we had the last three minutes yeah. of the grand final. Um, I got a mate at uh, Channel 10 to edit it up for me and we screened it at Pinaroo. And um, it was a black and white themed funeral. Um, The Swan Districts Football Club um, got involved, past players, uh, some present players came along. It was, well, a lot of people said it was the best funeral they've ever been to. Mm. I pretty much wrote the funeral um, ceremony um, and as we're as I'm listening to the celebrant, the funeral celebrant presenting the ceremony, reading most of the words that I'd written, it was like a, a lightning a light, bolt. Yeah. Um, also, maybe a message from my dad, and I thought, "Gosh, I could do this. I can write. I have empathy for people and warmth, attention to detail. There's no room for error in in um, you know a funeral." Mm. Um, I can do this. And I, I looked around and I thought, yeah, I, I can do this. I can do this. And that was the moment. Mm. Um, it wasn't until a few years later that I had the time to actually um, act on that. Yeah. Just life got in the way and working. And But when I had um, a um, – you know, a situation where I um, finished up a contract in um, 2015. Um, I actually escaped to Turkey for a while to further regroup. When I came back, I did my celebrant training. To date, I haven't done funerals, but I did speak at my dad's funeral. I lost my um, best friend to cancer last year and I spoke at her funeral. I haven't done funerals yet, but they are on the cards. But Mm. I have gone into marriages and I absolutely love being a marriage celebrant. So, so, so Tammy, so you go, you go from having this dawning of realisation and then, like you said, it was a couple of years later. Did, did you tell somebody that you could do that or did you keep it to yourself? Or I told how did it How did it grow and how did it grow to the point where you're like, I have to do that? Well, I told, I told a few close friends that I'm thinking of becoming a marriage celebrant and they all said well, that's the bravest part. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. They and I remember telling someone, "I'm going to do a podcast." <laughs> like, right, that's it. Now it's real. But then I, I bet, uh, I bet your friends you told said to you, Bryn, you'd be perfect at that." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's what people told to me, Kylie. That that's perfect. That's perfect. I'm. I do love a story. I, I can't help myself, and um, I ask lots of questions. I'm fascinated by people. My favourite TV show, and I never worked for the ABC, my favourite TV show was Enough Rope with Andrew mm. Denton. I adore Andrew Denton. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually went to one of his um, one of his um, uh, live um, 
recordings uh, in Sydney uh, when I was in Sydney for Channel 10. I said, I've got to go to the ABC and see enough rope. Oddly enough, if I can just say, um, I did tell some powerful executives uh, when I was working in TV that you need to bring Andrew Denton back because that show, there's been nothing else like it, um, you know, since. And, yeah, they one of the stations recently has bought Andrew Denton Do back that, yeah. doing that same show. Um, not as good as though on the ABC. But, um, yeah, I love I, – I'm fascinated with people. I love stories. So uh, becoming a celebrant, a big part of that is – telling a story, celebrating a story, mm. finding out what makes people tick and how best to put that into a ceremony and, and uh, capture, um, you know, capture the guests, capture the, the couple. And as a marriage celebrant, the best feedback I can get, and luckily I do receive it quite a lot, is that, Kylie, you just captured us as a couple. Mm. And um, so many of our you know, friends, guests said, wow, it was so much about you. Forget about a cut and paste job. Each ceremony is about the couple I'm working with. Superb. Superb. So you, you tell your friends and yes. they all go, yeah, 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 be good. Yeah. And then what happened to them? They just keep pushing you and pushing Pushing, you. pushing, pushing me because I can be a bit of a procrastinator and um, I, I'm a Libra. I kind of can have a struggle with making decisions but I thought I've just got to do this I mentioned um, before I lost my best friend to cancer last year um, Melissa was always a big big supporter of mine um, she more than anyone knew that life is short as hers was mm. um, and she was always KP just damn, do this, just yeah. do it. So um, came back from Turkey where I'd had time to really, really consider as I'm ballooning over Cappadocia um, thinking, yep, yeah, I really need to do this. So I came back and did my marriage celebrancy training. Mm. Yeah. What does training involve? Training involves, um, well, I uh, did it with a, with a wonderful woman here in Perth. Um, there was some um, courses I'd go to over a number of weeks, um, just learning about very, very importantly, the legalities of marriage, because it's, it's a very significant and yes. legally binding arrangement. So a lot done on the legalities, uh, a lot done on all the different scenarios you can come up uh, against with, with a marriage, you know, uh, couples in different situations, um, living in different countries, um, you know, um, you know, what, what makes a valid wedding, you know, yeah. uh, is someone legally able to wed? Um, you know, there could be issues where they may be ill and under the influence of drugs that may not be able to um, right. have them legally able to wed. All those legalities is very, Vegas, is no, it? <laughs> it's not Las Vegas. So very much I'm learning about the legalities. Um, and then, you know, some training on how to be, be a celebrant yeah. practically, although really that came for me afterwards when you just have to learn on the job. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of fun. Met some great people too. That was that was one thing I found with my my work in media. I had lots and lots of great, wonderful friends um, through the industry. I still have some of those, but then I found a lot of the people I kind of didn't hear from anymore. So mm. Going into celebrant work, I've actually made a new group of friends, yes. people I've trained with, people I've met through networking. It's been really good. Mm. So then how do you go from doing the training to setting yourself up on marketing and then landing your first wedding? Well, that's hard. That's That, that can be a bit hard. And 
Um, I was fortunate. One of my gorgeous friends had an amazing love story, which, um, wow, yeah, amazing. I won't have time to go into it now, but, um, yeah, she met the man of her dreams online quickly after a lot of trying and bang, it was on. They were getting married. She was uh, pregnant with twins. It was beautiful. So I said, well, look, I would love to perform your marriage, um, you know, when the when the time is right. So um, she said, Kylie, we would absolutely love you to. So I did my first marriage. I actually wasn't qualified at that time. So I got um, uh, one of my trainers to come in to perform the legal side of it. Yeah. But that was my first marriage ceremony and doing it for a best friend yeah. <laughs> made things, well, it was kind of, it was comfortable, but comfortable, not. but not. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. But it, um, yeah, that was um, Ellen Quentin, and it was at the Blue Water Grill, beautiful, oh, beautiful location in Applecross, and um, theirs was my first ceremony. Um, and then I got my qualification through from the government, and um, I was very fortunate in that uh, two of my uh, friends from media who were who were and still are quite high-profile uh, ladies said, Kylie, can you please be our celebrant? Yeah, yeah so those two ladies were, were look wonderful to entrust me and um, they were quite high-profile, and from there it's it just, just it's just grown. Continued. Yeah. Yeah. Superb. So you've done 50 now. I've just recently done my 50th wedding. Yes. So so what have you learned about the journey? What Oh gosh, I learn something every single ceremony I mm. do. It's impossible to learn how to be a marriage celebrant in the training courses yeah. because unless you're actually on the job, you just don't know what's going to come up. Every single ceremony, I learn something, even as simple as things like um, from now on, I make sure that uh, the groom is um, already wearing his um, buttonhole, you know, flower flower that he may be wearing on his suit because um, one wedding um, I did, the groom bought it with him and said, Kylie, can you please um, pin this on me? I tried to do so. It was really, really tough getting a pin through a, a yeah. damn you know, stick yeah. and stick in the jacket, pricked my thumb, bled profusely, oh. profusely. I had blood streaming everywhere. <laughs> so, um, and I had to be careful. You were around brides in white, grooms oh, with white shirts. So from now on, just a little thing, I have a checklist. Right. I have a checklist and it grows every it single grows ceremony. Yeah, it grows through learning. So I, I now ask my grooms to put their own buttonhole on. Um, Gosh, I could go on and on about yeah. my learnings. Can I tell you? Can I tell you a really interesting one? Go on, just quickly. Um, I say to my couples at their rehearsal, "Okay, homework for the week. We have a rehearsal a week or a few days before. Yeah. Homework for the week. I want you to practice looking at each other." Yeah, and they look at me very strangely. But I did do a wedding once where. The couple were very warm and beautiful, yeah. but they just kind of froze on the day. They couldn't kind of look at each other. Um, I think they were maybe feeling a bit awkward with guests that were there. Yeah. And um, at one stage, the photographer whizzed past me and said, oh, my God, Kylie, this looks like an arranged marriage. <laughs> so anyway, 
that's formed one of my checkpoints now. Please practice looking at each other. Make sure you're comfortable looking at each other because, you know, these days, Bryn, people spend more time looking down at their, um, Fine, yeah. their phone screen, not looking at each other. So I say to them, look, the bride and groom or same-sex couple, whichever, you are going to look at your most amazing on that day. So why wouldn't you want to look at each other? Yeah. And I found that's helped. I've never um, had the situation since where that looking like possibly an arranged marriage <laughs> could be could be the case. But yeah. I learn learn something every every single day. Um, oh gosh, it's so so many things. <laughs> Have you had any uh, amusing moments that you care to share? Ah, <laughs> oh, amusing, amusing. Gosh, I, ha- I haven't, I haven't had, haven't had any disasters. Possibly amusing. Um, you know, they say, you know, be careful about working with animals and uh, children. Um, with um, animals, and I love animals in my ceremonies. I actively encourage it. Um, I love having dogs, and yeah, because I mean, animals are part of mm. couples' lives these days. So incorporate them in. I did have. Um, I'll say pigeons, but they were doves. Doves flying off at a ceremony, and um, the um, the dove lady bought the doves. It was a very very hot day, about forty degrees in um, Harold Boas Gardens in West Perth, and um, the the doves were were um, I don't know. They were just very. Uh, what would you say? Language? They yeah, weren't. They so didn't. They, they didn't kind of do what, what they, they meant to off. do. They did. Well, they flew off, but not how they were meant to. And I'd sort of done this big intro about they're going to take off and they're going to do a circle. And anyway, that none of that happened. Yeah. They did fly off, but they just, <laughs> just yeah. sort of didn't do anything what I was about to tell them to do. So then another another funny moment. Um, I was actually um, uh, going um, along with a, a celebrant who had. Who had trained with me, and he just wanted me to come along to his um, first wedding for moral support, yep. which I'm happy to do. And I have had um, celebrants do that for me, giving constructive criticism, which is great. And oh, the poor thing, he forgot to say, "Please be seated." After he'd asked everyone to be upstanding for the wedding, as you do, mm. as um, the bride or you know yeah. bride couple arrive, um, please be upstanding, ladies and gentlemen, for the arrival of the bride. Anyway, the whole ceremony, people were standing. <laughs> A few were fatigued um, and just sat down. But I, again, I learned. Now, in every single ceremony script, I say, I note, please be seated. It's easy to do. People at a wedding are used yeah. to being told what to do. So um, with, when he came up to me later and said, how did I do? How did I do? I said, look, it was beautiful. It was beautifully um, you know, spoken, beautiful words, but just one thing. You didn't tell the, the guests, the congregation, to, to please be seated. And he just <laughs> just about collapsed I said look people probably didn't notice I don't know but note to self please be seated yeah. note it in your script and I always do so yeah that was kind of funny kind of <laughs> so talk me talk me roughly through the process from um Brian and Groom comes to see you to big day yes are you inquiring for yourself Britain is there anything <laughs> you need to know that I need to know about <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I get contacted by um, by uh, 
you know, couples and uh, that can be via a variety of ways. Um, I have a professional Facebook page, Kylie Payne Celebrant. I have a profile listing on easyweddings.com.au or through friends, contact. So people will contact me. First thing I do is they want to know how much. They want yeah. to know how much. Obviously, you know, key question. So the first two things, how much and also um, the date, am I available? available? Yeah, so I'll communicate that back to them and um, part of my service and for most celebrants, happy to have um, an obligation-free chat. It's really important you connect with a celebrant. Um, you don't want someone you mm. feel awkward with. Um, also, you, your celebrant is, um, you know, you I'm involved with very personal conversations. I'm, I'm, um, you know, provided personal information, you know, with dates of births and divorces and so forth. So you've got to feel comfortable with your celebrant. So at that initial, does that go both ways? Um, well, yes, I, I suppose so. I suppose mm. so. But mind you, on on that, I, I would. As a celebrant, I, I would never be judgmental. Yes, would never be judgmental. Look, I, you know, I, I must admit, you, I may have perhaps got a couple or two where I think, oh dear, maybe, maybe just would be wise to perhaps just leave it a little while. But I would never say that. Yeah. I would never judgmental. I'm there to provide a service. Yes. So, um, yeah, but I do have some thoughts in my head sometimes. Yeah. Um, but. I still have 50 happy marriages, I understand, exactly. so far. <laughs> yes, and I've had babies, born, etc. Um, but I meet the couple for an obli obligation-free chat. Um, I Look, I have a home office, but I think people are more comfortable, and I'm probably more comfortable just going to meet at a cafe. Yep. So I have a few favourites, you know, what cafe suits, you know, Fremantle, Big Park Zoo, wherever. I'll meet yeah. them wherever and I think people like that. Usually meet on a weeknight evening uh, or on a weekend uh, yeah. around my wedding commitments and we go and chat. I hear about what couples have in mind for their their ceremony and talk about it and then, you know, just discuss how I can best help them create that, uh, give them ideas too, you know. Mm. Um, you know, I, I get a feel for the couple, uh, know a little bit more about them and, you know, they might be talking about their dog that they love, adore, cherish. And I said, well, I would say, well, have you thought about having having your dog in your ceremony? Oh, wow, could we? Of course you can. Yeah. yeah. In a legal ceremony, there is only um, – three components of a marriage ceremony that are legal requirements. Yeah. Um, they are the monotum uh, or the celebrant authority that uh, anyone listening that has been married or has been to a wedding would know. You know, I am duly authorised by law to solemnise marriages according to the laws of this country. Da-da-da-da-da. Right. Um, so that must be stated by a celebrant. And then there are the legal vows that must be stated I call upon the people here present to witness that I, da-da-da, take you, da-da-da, oh. to be my lawful wedded husband, wife, spouse. Um, that's uh, the second legal component. And then there's the legalities of the certificates, the marriage certificates, which have to be signed and witnessed um, in the ceremony. Mm. But apart from that, anything goes, anything goes. So um, – I arm my couples with uh, you know, a whole lot of resources, you know, um, give them um, a, 
a pretty usual template, mm. I suppose, with the standard steps, you know, the, you know, being escorted and, you know, the asking, do you take this woman or do you take this man and all this. And then we kind of talk about what they want and what they, what they don't. Um, readings, blessings. Some couples might uh, screw up their face. Oh gosh, I don't want anything boring like that. They don't have to be boring. I've had um, Winnie the Pooh readings read. Um, My latest wedding uh, in the beautiful Bickley Valley, um, the bride and groom um, had uh, someone to read. It was a Dr. Zeus quote about love being weird and and it was awesome. Mm. Um, uh, I'm always very respectful of um, cultural heritage you know there's some beautiful cultures to be celebrated um uh, and a wedding i did um again at blue water grill uh for a beautiful irish uh bride uh her elderly parents came out uh from ireland from minus three to a 37 degree day that was interesting um we did um a, a celtic um a hand binding blessing to to do with ribbons and you right. know tied around the hands beautiful celebration of her Irish heritage. So really important with with um, weddings to really celebrate um, who the couple is and, and um, in so many different ways you can do that. And also make a point of, um, you know, giving them the different uh, ways that special people can be included in a wedding ceremony. Obviously the witnesses, that's an easy one, um, the attendance, an easy one. Things like, you know, a special pen could be used and then given to, you know, a, a father, grandfather of, of the couple. Um, there's all sorts of different ways. Just back to the readings. One of the most beautiful readings I had was uh, the couple. They had their two dogs in the ceremony. They adore Leonard Cohen. I love Leonard Cohen. Mm. Great, you know, you know, great um, artist uh, no longer with us, but um, he has a song uh, where the lyrics are, dance me t- till the end of love, dance me until the curtains fade. Uh, one of the, the couple's best friends came up and read the lyrics to that song. There wasn't a dry iron in the house. It was mm. beautiful. So I really encourage my couples to make the wedding about them and I'm there to to help them do that. If they, if something really resonates with them, include it. And uh, it just makes the day much more memorable. Superb. Have you seen, um, have you encountered an increase in same-sex marriage since it's become legal of recent here in Australia? Well, look, that's an interesting one. That's a really interesting one. I was very, very, um, very, very pleased as, uh, you know, so many of us yeah. were in Australia. Yeah. I was so, so pleased. Because I was thinking about this before. I mean, to me, it was a no-brainer. Absolutely. And I, and I don't even know why we had a reference, but that, that's another Absolutely. That is another conversation. But, but I was thinking for you in terms of a business point of view, it's great because it's opened up a new Ab- market. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But it's interesting. And look, I welcome any opinions on this. Um to, to date, I have uh, uh, done two same-sex marriages and I've got a few more coming up. Yeah. Uh, my first uh, oh, amazing same-sex marriage was on March 3 uh, with two wonderful, fabulous women called Erin mm. and Lauren, gorgeous. I have had no inquiries yet from men. Right. Only from women. So I'm not 
quite sure, but um, I would love to hear from the guys. I have lots of, um, you know, uh, gay male friends, but um, come on, guys. I've only yes. had inquiries from women. And um, funnily enough, though, speaking to other celebrant contacts, um, some of them are the same as well. It's it's more so the ladies that are, are committing to marriage. But possibly it's because with the marriage equality vote, it was more about the choice rather than rushing out to book um, yes. a marriage. So there's that that as well. Or uh, one uh, one of my uh, one of my gay male friends said, "Oh, Kylie, you won't get any any guys marrying yet. They're still planning. They're they're getting you know getting all the getting all the hoo ha arranged. It'll be a couple of years in the making." Um, but look. Uh, I'm just delighted and, um, you know, I've, uh, I've got uh, a couple more coming up uh, soon and uh, the women I've met so far have been absolutely delightful. There we go. Have you, uh, are you looking in the future to, because um, remember your journey started at a funeral. It did. Um, are you looking to open out to that as well? Uh, I am. I am. With, with a funeral celebrancy, and I suppose I just have to be practical here at the moment, mm. with um, a funeral celebrant, you have to be available. You have to be available when the funeral home calls you. Uh, you have to be available if they call it. 10 o'clock in the morning, we need you to go and see, you know, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Brown at four o'clock in the afternoon or 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You've got to be available. So from a practical kind of working um, situation, I'm not quite at that stage yet right. where I can afford just to do celebrancy. Yes. Um, but it is um, an area that I would like to go into. Um, Does that require more training? It doesn't look. Well, um, a lot of people don't understand that to be a funeral celebrant, there is no legal requirement. There is no legal training as such. Mm. You could be a celebrant. I think you'd make a great funeral celebrant. <laughs> <Thank you>. um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it. Um, I would probably go and do some more, you know, practical training. Yeah. Um, but, look, I've, I've, um, I've been to a number of funerals. I have spoken at my dad's funeral and my best friend's funeral. So I'm, um, I'm a crosser. I would just need to just really, um, you know, learn the intricacies of it. But, again, it's about people connection, and mm. I love connecting with people. And, um, you know, ultimately it's a celebration of someone's life at a funeral um, and I think it would be a real honour to be a funeral celebrant mm. as well as being a marriage celebrant. So watch this space. Watch this space. There we go. What have you, um, what have you learned about yourself on this little journey? Gosh, I've learned a lot. I've learned that nothing stays the same forever. Mm. I've learned a lot about um, work and people and, you know, um, Things do change when you leave a career. Um, things are not quite the same again, I suppose. I've learnt to be really, I suppose, um, not that I've never not been real. Of course I'm real, but just it is what it is. And, you know, in my media career, you know, people can be fluttering around and you can often do things for them, um, but out of media, things things do change. Um, but I've learned to be resourceful. Uh, I've learned mm. to really have a better belief in myself that 
I'm not a bad person. Okay, I I I found myself out of work through no fault of my own. Um, I did at one point beat myself myself up about that, um, but I think no. And gosh, it's happening everywhere, isn't it? That people have you know career changes, and you might get a tap on the shoulder or whatever. Um, I think. Uh, you know, to have survived in media uh, for 30 years as I have is mm. something, uh, it's quite a feat and I'm really proud of it. And this is the next stage of my life now. And I'm more open- thriving than yeah. surviving. Yes, that's right. And open to opportunities. And um, yeah, marriage celebrancy has, uh, it was initially a little dream, but I actually made it happen and I'm really enjoying it. Mm. Do you, um, it's interesting because you were talking earlier on about, you know, I am Carly. I work at here. Do you do you now view yourself as I am Carly the celebrant, or do you uh, uh, are you more centered around I am Carly and these are the things I do now? Absolutely, yes, yeah. It was uh, it was hard when I was suddenly Kylie from nowhere after being Kylie from ten or Kylie from seven or ninety six FM or whatever. Um, yeah, I've had to learn to be. Kylie Payne. And um, yes, being a marriage celebrant mm. is one of the aspects what I do. So who is Kylie Payne? <laughs> who is Kylie Payne? <laughs> Kylie, Kylie Payne is, 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 is a woman that um, loves life, that has, you know, survived in, in an industry she loves. She got her mm. dream of working in media. That's all I wanted to do at 14 years old. But the Kylie at 14 and the Kylie, I won't say my age, but the Kylie I am now, still essentially the same person. Absolutely. I'm still a big screamer, yeah. um, uh, but I've learned a lot along the way and look, really looking forward to um, what life brings up next. And, and, and what's on the next three to five years? Three three to five years, what I want to do. I still consider myself as being newish in the celebrant world. Yeah. So, um, oh yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking, I'm looking, um, forward to that. I want to do more weddings. I want to branch into funerals. I, I actually, I would like to just, uh, in view of, you know, people I've been speaking to and what I've felt in, in time, I would actually like to help and support people that find themselves having a career change hmm. enforced on them because it can be completely gut-wrenching. It can yes. be devastating. Um, you know, you know, obviously financial, um, you know, situations for people um, auger uh, a lot what, what happens there, but it can be very difficult. I, I read, um, no, I read, I, I watched um, a little while ago on Insight, uh, the biggest number of um or the biggest sector of homelessness increasing in Australia is women 55 and over and the program was fascinating and I felt so sad there's been these you know women corporate women whatever and through no fault of their own personal professional circumstances find themselves out of work with no money mm. and it's damn tough yes. um yeah I mean yeah, I would like to – I like helping people. Um, I've always loved mentoring people, so I love the young ones that have worked with me. I love to see them do well. So next three to five years, gosh, who knows? I just don't know. Throwing right. it up and throwing it up in the air. More travelling, though. I need, need to do some more travelling. I haven't had time for that mm. of late. Superb. If you could um, go back and give – 
the Kylie who dropped the pen and went to work as the PA a piece of advice now get on the phone or meet that Kylie what piece of advice would you give her being as she's about to start off on this gosh to be honest the advice I would give would be absolutely do what you did um, yes, it may be a little trickier in later life when I don't, I, I didn't go to university. Um, I didn't study. I didn't get any degrees as my other friends did. And they may still be in a stable job. I would say to her, go for it. Don't do a thing differently. My media career and the career I've enjoyed, the people I've met, the memories I have, the experiences I've had, the fact I could contact Bob Geldof and he'd take my call, I wouldn't change a thing. Superb. So um, how do people find you? People find me. Um, I'm, my professional Facebook page is um, Kylie Payne Celebrant. That's K-Y-L-E-E, Kylie Payne Celebrant on y. Facebook. Yes. <laughs> um, look, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn um, and Kylie at KyliePayneCelebrant.com.au. Yep. Also, I have a profile listing on Easy Weddings, which is a fabulous wedding planning site. And just found out that my first same-sex marriage, Lauren and Erin, is one of their featured wedding as a wedding of the year. Oh, so it's very exciting. And very they, exciting. Oh, my God. They were gorgeous women, fabulous. Here come the brides, and they were sensational. Superb. Superb. Kylie, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. It's been <laughs> lovely to hear your journey. It's been lovely to sit around your optimism and your energy. It's been Super, it's, it sort of goes with the sunshine of the day <laughs> that's beaming through the window right now. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Bryn, and you know where to find me. <laughs> Come here, <it> good. <laughs>